What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. I'm your host, Nick, joined by Greg, as always. How you doing, Greg? What's going on? How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I know we uh, haven't done this in, well, like a couple weeks now, so we'll jump right into it. Guys, we don't have any Ohio State topic stuff today, so <laughs> there you go. I know the spring game's coming up, so maybe next episode we'll hit on um, our you know, opinions from that game and, and who we think might be the next quarterback of Ohio State going into the next season. But as of right now, we're going to kind of hit into some baseball since the season has started. Um, we're going to talk about the Cavs. They're coming to the end of their season going into the playoffs. And then we're going to talk about the crew in FC Cincinnati, um, both having a pretty decent start to their season. So we're going to kind of hit those topics as we go through this episode. So first, we're going to talk about the Reds. Um just real quick, Greg, I think we're only like, what, five, maybe six games into the season for some teams. Um, how do you feel? Do you, I guess, let me rephrase this. Do you feel good about the Reds start to their season? I mean, it's it's definitely a better start than last season. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, they're three and two so far, and the two losses have come, I think, by just one run. So they're, they're putting up good numbers. Um, you know, you've got to be paying close attention to Hunter Green and Nick uh, Lodolo, I think is how you say his name. Um, but even their number three starter, Graham Ashcroft, is like he's he might even be the best out of the three. Um, so, you know, I think their media is having a little bit of a field to ask him which one which one is best. So, you know, they're definitely in love with the long ball so far this season. Uh, you know, two of their runs came from solo home runs by Jason Bossler and TJ Friedel. Um, so the Reds next uh, hit six home hit blah, blah blah. The Reds hit six home runs during the three game series uh, by six different players. So that's you know pretty spectacular. And I think I think we're gonna have a better outcome than uh, last year for sure. Okay, okay. Um, I did see something um, interesting. So um, I don't think the Reds, are the only team that fall into this category where they pay players not to play for them, whether they're old and they, you know, extend their contract out. So it's not as big as a hit every year, um, or they buy out the market, but with the Reds right now, um, so this is excluding the players who are injured, who aren't playing right now. So their active payroll is about $16.7 million, um, but they have players like Mike Mustak is making $20 million. He's not on the team anymore. And then obviously Ken Gifford Jr. making his $3.6 million. Is this, is this concerning? Um, and how are the Reds ever going to compete if they keep, you know, I guess getting these good players in, you know, obviously trading them out. We see the two guys who are having a pretty good start to their season in other places right now. Um, and then their payroll just being, I guess, so low, obviously they've had a pretty decent start being three and two. Um, it's only five games in, but I guess, how do you, how do you view this disparity with more money of being paid to players who aren't on the roster compared to players who are actively on the roster right now? I mean, it definitely seems like they wanted to save money back then, and they're trying to save money again. Uh, the Castellini family, I mean, they've taken a lot of criticism by going, you know, given the directive that the cut for Cincinnati's front office to cut payroll. Um, they've kind of decided that, you know, ownership has kind of decided that competing is kind of too rich for their blood, and they'd much rather prefer to sit on their hands and watch their incredibly safe investment of a major league baseball team continue to grow because. You know, you, they're still getting revenue from TV. They're still getting revenue from merchandise. They're still getting revenue from ticket sales and stuff like that. So, um, you know, as far as right now is concerned, it's a kind of a bleak situation. 
if ownership would invest in payroll when necessary, this uh, rebuilding period for the Reds would be a, kind of an easier pill to swallow. But instead, it feels like the Reds are fumbling around in the dark with no idea of what to do going forward. So, uh, I, you know, they're going to eventually have to, to, to pay somebody or they're just going to continue to to you know, be seller dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I know I put on there, like, how are they ever going to compete this way? And, and for me, it just doesn't, I, I just don't see them, like you said, being able to compete unless they pay for, you know, pay, pay the players that, that they bring up through their system um, or they bring somebody else in. And, and I just don't know if anybody really wants to come into a situation where it doesn't seem like they're really trying to compete uh, for championships, which is definitely interesting. So this kind of goes into my last question for the Reds. And this is kind of my little dramatic moment of the episode. You always got to have one. Um, just, I guess, with with them being so stingy and, and with this constant, like, in and out of, of talent, um, should the fans of the Cincinnati Reds, maybe even the city of Cincinnati, should, should they look to – ask the Reds to leave, maybe go somewhere else? Should the MLB look to see if the Reds should have new ownership, maybe whether that's still in Cincinnati or maybe in another city? Like, what do you think about this? I mean, not only no, but hell no. There's too much invested from a fan base, from the city investing in, you know, the the stadium. I don't know how long ago was that, 15 years ago? Um, You know, 17 years ago, something like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, newer stadium um, you know, at least in the last two decades. Um, no, I mean, that's that's never going to happen. There's too much history, too much lore, you know, the big red machine and all that. So so Cincinnati's not going anywhere and the fan base isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, I kind of reference it back to like what we talked about with the Blue Jackets and just the there's not a winning culture in Cincinnati. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's hard to keep players or have players want to play in a in an area and a team that that just doesn't want to win and they have no interest in really winning you know at least in the foreseeable future uh, you know you, we've had a few bright bright shining stars you know uh, rookies of the year and stuff like that but other than that it's just it's we're not competing for anything we're just uh going through the motions yeah like i guess to the other question i brought up during during that, I guess, really long question because I'm good at those. Do you think the the MLB should maybe push for new ownership for the Reds then because the owners are have been so stingy with the money and it doesn't really seem like they're trying to build a winning culture there? Um, or do you think that's too too much meddling within a franchise? I would I could see that if there was something egregious done. Mm-hmm. They've, just because they're stingy with their money does not make them a egregious it's not like the ownership is coming out and saying racial things or coming out and saying you know you know just insensitive and uh, crazy you know things like some ownership has done in in certain other you know leagues and stuff like that and, and they've been asked to be removed and stuff like that but no i mean they're just they're just not spending money and and, and that's not a crime yeah, no, I get that. I, I just, I guess, in my mind, if, if I was another MLB owner, looking at a team like that, that just doesn't seem like they're trying. I feel like that hurts the bottom line at least a little bit. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Maybe, maybe they're trying to save up a bunch of money so one day they can have it on the books to to pay a couple players. I, 
I don't know. Definitely be interesting. Let us know what you guys think at home, uh, just about the red situation as a whole. I know they're, you know, they started three and two on the season. Not too bad. We'll kind of see if that that can kind of continue. Maybe they'll have a, a fun little run like the Guardians did last year, where they're a young team um, and they outplay what everybody thinks that they might play. So we'll we'll kind of see how that that goes and, and unfolds during the season. So speaking of the Guardians, um, if you guys hadn't <laughs> seen any of their games or a lot of their games through six games. They have a point differential of 32 and 27, which means they've scored 32 runs, but they've had 27 runs scored on them. So obviously offense for them is not an issue, but defense seems to be <laughs> a little bit of a problem with 27 runs being scored on them through six games. So I guess my question to you, Greg, is, you know, should we, we well, I can't talk either. Should we be worried about the amount of runs that they're letting up to start the season? No, no. I mean, especially at the beginning of the season, you know, pitchers are still getting uh, their feet wet and, and getting their arms loose. And, you know, I just don't see us, you know, throwing in the towel or anything quite yet with, with this type of, you know, it just seems to happen. And I think that they'll be fine moving forward. And they're already, you know, I was really surprised they, they took the series from Seattle because uh, I think that Seattle's got a great team um, with a really potent offense so to take the, you know, two of three for that first initial series was was really good. And then, like I said, they're putting up numbers and your defense can only get tighter, especially with that group of guys and, and that, uh, you know, type of coaching with Terry Francona. And, um, you know, we saw what they did last year. So their defense is definitely going to tighten up as the season progresses and hopefully their uh, offense doesn't cool down. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. It just was like an interesting thing I saw. I was like, well, they're not doing too bad. Like they've, you know, I think they're they're at least above 500, I think, right now. So if I remember correctly, but it was just the amount of runs that they had let um, let go. And obviously that, what, two nights ago, they won like 12 to 11. So that's a big contributor um, to that, you know, point difference. So obviously they scored 12 runs. So that's that's crazy. But hopefully they get that defense kind of under control. And like you said, it's the beginning of the season. So everybody's still working out the kinks with the new rules and playing together and getting loose. So maybe we'll, we'll revisit this topic, you know, maybe a month or two into the season, kind of see how it's changed or if it's gotten any better. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on to the NBA and the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you guys didn't see the other day, Donovan Mitchell broke the record for the most 40 point games by a Cavs player in a season. So I guess my question to you, Greg is, is this a big deal? Especially when you look at the last, I think <laughs> the last three times it was broken was LeBron James. <laughs> so um, how big of a deal is this for the Cleveland Cavaliers and Cleveland Cavalier fans? I think it's a big deal for Cleveland and Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't necessarily believe it's a big deal in the NBA, but I mean, in the last four games, including last night, uh, Mitchell is scorching teams, putting up 44, 42, 40, and 43 point performances. Uh, so now he holds the single season 40 point games in the Cavalier history with 13, surpassing, um, surpassing LeBron James, who only had 10 in 2006. And I believe Kyrie Irving had 11. Uh, 40 point games so and the fourth straight 40 point game it has not been done since James Harden did it in 2018 and he's only the fifth player to ever do it joining Kobe Westbrook uh, Allen Iverson uh, and I think Kobe did it six times so I mean just the fact that he's the fastest active player to reach 10,000 points only behind James and Beeb and Durant um, you know 
he's the fastest guard to reach that milestone since Dwayne Wade. So I, 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 I think it's a big deal in, in the sense of the Cavaliers. Um, you know, it's, not, it's not like it hasn't been done before in the NBA, but you know, it shows that he's, he's good. He's having fun. You know, they're playing well. I, 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 I just don't see him really. I think he loves where he's at. And I think that trade made him super happy and uh, he's excited to, to move forward with the Cavs for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a huge deal, especially for um, the Cavaliers going into this playoff push that to know that you have a guy that can consistently get you 40 plus a night, I think it's going to be huge. I think they're going to need that in the playoffs uh, when they have to play, you know, the big three at the top. But I think this is big, big for Cavs fans because, you know, even without him last season, having, you know, Garland and Mobley and Allen, um, having that big three there in Cleveland was something that we looked forward to. But I think a lot of people looked at that team and was like, okay, we're still, you know, maybe three years out from a championship. We're waiting for Darius Garland to kind of really, you know, hit his prime. We're waiting for Evan Mobley to hit his prime. So, um, but with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, just a bona fide superstar, a guy who can you know put together this kind of a run, that really uh, pushes the timeline up uh, for Cavs fans. I think they're super excited about this this playoffs. So my next question for that about the playoffs would be, Greg, you know, what are the Cavs' main strengths and weaknesses going into this playoffs um, in your mind? Uh, I think their strengths are definitely, um, you know, their their defense uh, over the last 15 games. They're number one in net uh, rating. Um, so that's quite an accomplishment for such a young squad. Uh, as far as their, you know, like I said, if, if defense is the top of the list for them, the predominant issue is their offense, is their long ball accuracy. I think they're 12th in the league, only shooting 36.2%. And obviously Mitchell and Garland are the greatest threats behind the arc, but the rest of the office, uh, I'm sorry, the rest of the roster often uh, shoots inconsistently, um, you know, from deep. So I, I think that, you know, you got good on the defense, you need to get better on the offense. Yeah, my, my thing was going to be um, for their strengths was I think they have a clear identity, which I think is important for a team going into the playoffs. Like you said, they're, I think their defense is their clear number one identity where you know they're going to be able to slow teams down. They're going to be able to grind out the game, and, and that's going to put them in positions to win a lot of games, especially once you start playing against like Embiid and, <laughs> and uh, Giannis, Jason Tatum. Like Those are going to be tough guys that you're going to have to stop. So if you can slow the game down a little bit, give them less chances, that's going to give you a little bit better of a chance to win the game. Um, the other thing I think on identity for strength wise is they know they know who they're funneling the offense through. And it, it's Donovan Mitchell first, I think Evan Mobley second, and then you have Darius Garland third, and then everybody else is kind of just if they're, you know, if they're open, if they're available. So I, I do think that they have a clear identity when it comes to who's who's gonna score um first, second, third, um, and down the line. I do agree that their weakness is gonna be three point shooting. I think that might hurt them if they have to get into a shootout battle, but if their defense can kind of hold up and slow teams down, they might not have to do that. So we'll have to see who steps up in that, uh, in that realm in the playoffs. So, but moving into my last question here for you is, you know, we just talked about their strength, their weaknesses going into the playoffs. How far do you think this team can actually go? I mean, they're definitely, they're fourth in the East and they're, you know, they're behind Philly, uh, the Bucks, and Boston. 
but when it comes down to it, they're three and one against the uh, Celtics, and they're two and two against the Bucks. So it's shown throughout the season that they can play at a level um, that that can match that. And uh, if they get hot during the playoffs, uh, I, I could possibly see them at least making it to the the you know the Eastern Conference Final. Um, you know that's very plausible and. I don't know if I could have said that last year in any way, shape, or form, but this year for sure that that's that's in the realm of possibility for them. Yeah. As a Cavs fan, I'd love to say all the way. (laughs) But realistically, I agree with you. I think on uh, nothing but net the other day, I had them making the Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics. I think that's a a total – I know it's going to depend on where everybody ends up uh, position-wise, so that might change my mind once I kind of look – at the playoff picture once it's all kind of finalized and stuff like that. But I think I would like to see a Cavs Celtics finals if, if Eastern conference finals, if possible. Um, I think I did have the Celtics winning in seven games in that one. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how that goes down. I just think that Jason Tatum and, and uh, Jalen Brown are, those guys are, are good and they're going to win mean, a championship. Yeah. Al Horford's hitting his threes. Yeah. Um, and Blake Griffin is like I, I just I can't talk any more highly about Blake Griffin than than his just his mm-hmm. he's from going to being like a super megastar to filling in this role of of you know a veteran leader and 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 doing what he needs to do to to help the the Celts win um, I just think is is phenomenal. Uh, I definitely think that the NBA champion will come out of the East, regardless of if it's, uh, you know, those top four teams out of the East. But I just don't see anybody in the West winning it. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I think the the West is going to beat, beat each other up. So by the time they get to the playoffs, whatever team is there, there's going to be a lot of seven-game series in the West. I have this, like, weird feeling for some reason. Um, and not, not that we're not going to have seven-game series in the East, but I just feel like it's not going to be – um, as many, I, I think the the parity between the good and the bad in the East is is a lot farther apart than what it is in in the West. So it'll definitely be interesting. But let us know your guys' opinions. You know, obviously the Cavs season is coming to an end. I think there's only like four or five more games, maybe. So you know, let us let us know what you think their outcome is going to be in the playoffs and and what they need to uh, get better at for the playoffs and and what they need to keep doing so they can win a championship and bring another one back to Cleveland. I think that would be. Um, an amazing feat, especially since I, I don't know if if anybody thought that, that we would bring one back so soon after LeBron, you know, left for the the second time after after winning one in Cleveland. So it'll definitely be interesting to see if they, if they can get there and get it done over the next couple of years. But let's go ahead and move into our final topic here of the MLS. We're going to talk about the crew first. Um, in their last two games, they've just had a bevy of goals. Um, I had the pleasure of going to one two uh, weekends ago against Atlanta United and watching them just obliterate them. Um, And that was an amazing environment, had an amazing time. But uh, just from what you've kind of, you know, looked up and saw, Greg, how have the crew really looked the past two games to you? I mean, they look solid. Um, You know, that the the two losses have uh, also come within one run uh, or one goal losses. So um, they're plus seven goal differential. Um, fourth in their division, uh, I, I'm really happy with the the way they've been playing right now. Yeah, definitely like a different – I just feel a different air with this team. And, and 
And when I got to go watch the one against Atlanta United, you didn't have Cucho Hernandez. Zellerian wasn't out there. It just seemed like they had, at least to me, it seemed like they had a lot of their guys that, that maybe wouldn't have gotten playing time last year under the old regime. Um, and they've definitely gotten to a more like fast-paced, energized offensive team. And, and that's something that we kind of talked about last year where they just couldn't get a goal. Um, and but they've been able to back it up defensively as well, at least the past two games. So that's something that's definitely um, interesting and, and it's fun to watch. I think it's energizing. And there's a lot of guys that are making current um, contributions that you wouldn't um, have expected maybe last year, like I said, under the old regime. So definitely interesting to see if that keeps going, if this is just beginning of the season, you know, kind of like we talked about with with the Guardians and, and the Reds earlier. But um, definitely a fun team to watch right now. I guess my question for you in my comment of maybe this is just the beginning of the season, but um, do you think that they are better than what we thought or do you per se need to see more games before you kind of make that determination? I mean, obviously see more games. Let's revisit this, you know, come, you know, halfway through the season. I do think that the the coaching change uh, did a a lot for what, at least we're seeing in the initial turnaround comparative to last year, uh, you know, coaching is a big thing. And, and, and we talk about this all the time in all the sports teams that we talk about is just the changing of culture in a, in an environment. And if the players are happy, you know, and their culture is, is well and, and fostered well, then they're going to be playing better. And they're going to be playing for a coach that they really care about and really want to do better with. So, um, Again, we'll visit this later on, but as of right now, my initial gut reaction, like I said, with that plus seven goal differential, uh, you know, scoring five goals one game, scoring four goals another, uh, it, it seems to be trending in the right direction. So let's just keep that up. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, the atmosphere was was amazing. Watching them score six goals was just crazy. So I, I hope they keep it up. I know, I know offensively that's hard to keep doing over a long season, but um, you know, that I think it'll be, like you said, we'll, we'll kind of look at it in a month or two and, and see where they're at kind of towards the, the mid season break, I guess, for all the cups and everything, but moving on to FC Cincinnati, who is actually first in the um, conference right now, at least as of last time I looked, and they're not necessarily scoring a ton of goals like the crew are, but they are winning. Um, and I don't think they have a loss yet on the season. They have just wins and two, I think four wins and two ties, I believe. Um, so I guess what has this team shown us to start the season in your mind, Greg? I mean, I just, they're, they're, pressuring uh, a lot and they're they're running fast which I, I i really like you know obviously the the goals haven't shown for that but i think that um you know they're they're do, definitely outperforming thus far this year compared to last year uh, and so let's just like like i said with the crew hope that trend continues um they need to offensively step up a little bit but again their their defense and their goalkeeping has has kept them in games. I think a, a couple of their games, at least two or three of their games, were, uh, you know, by one goal. So, um, you know, they're they're holding tight. Uh, they just need to step up that offense just a touch more. Yeah, yeah. Watching like through, um, the games or back on highlights, like you said, it they they push really well. 
Um, and but they just not they're not finishing a lot of the times. So I'm wondering if that's just beginning of the season woes and, and they'll kind of figure it out as time goes on. But another good defensive team um, that that is able to hold teams so they can get those like one nil wins or, you know, two one <laughs> wins a lot of the time. So we'll kind of see what that looks like going forward. And and I guess if they both these teams both, you know, keep projecting upwards this is going to be a fun match throughout the season when we get to see these guys play um obviously two ohio teams i don't think we've you know really got to see in a while two professional ohio sports teams that have been you know vying for top positions in their conference or division or whatever play against each other in at least a couple years so um it'll it'll be very it'll be cool to see that um battle of ohio i guess (laughs) so be fun but if you have anything else you wanted to go over in this episode, Greg, if not, we'll move on to our double take segment. Let's always hit that double take. You know, I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna let you go ahead and go first on this one only because the fact that I found, I like went into it and there's like three different things that I want to go over. So I don't, I don't want to steal anything that you have or take up too much time. So I want you to go first. All right. I, I actually have possibly two. So I might go again after you. Okay. Okay. But, okay. Uh, you know, I was looking up just Ohio sports stuffs and, and um, and this this hit my uh, across my desk just recently, so I just thought it was really interesting. But when you think of speed, do you think of Ohio? I, I don't know. I guess it depends. Like racing, no, because we don't no. really. I don't think we really have racing in Ohio. What about fastballs? Uh, like pitching wise, I don't know. I'm not like we're pretty well versed on the the fastest pitches ever in the game. So three of the fastest pitches ever recorded ever in history all came from Ohio. Oh, my gosh. So we had Araldus Chapman, obviously the famous uh, 105.6 mile an hour uh, 2010 from Cincinnati Reds. Uh, okay. You know, that was, that was the pinnacle of what was, uh, you know, the fastest pitch ever thrown. Well, a couple of days ago, Hunter Green, also of the Cincinnati Reds, in game threw a 106.2 mile an hour fastball. That still doesn't come close to the fastest pitch ever thrown, and it was thrown by Cleveland Indians' Bob Feller. Now, this wasn't necessarily a in-game pitch, but it was an exhibition, uh, you know, pitching um, display. And Bob Feller of the Cleveland Indians threw a 107.9 mile an hour fastball. Goodness gracious. So the three fastest pitches ever pitched ever all came from Ohio based pitchers. I thought that was really cool. That is really interesting. Um, That's crazy. And I mean, just like a lot of guys don't even top that, that hundred, you know what I mean? They'll, They'll make it to like 99 or whatever, but normally you're not getting that's that's crazy, yeah. And try hitting 107 miles an hour, mile an hour pitch. I don't know if that's uh. That's that's just past you in the blink of an eye. That's yeah. that's not even. Yep. Just take the strike. Have a good day. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Holy crap. That's really fast. All right. Um, mine. So, I was looking up. I'm on this, like I said, the last episode we did trying to find like cool facts about uh, Columbus and then, you know, I'll move on to the other two major cities that we have in Ohio here for sports stuff. But did you know 
that Columbus actually was the headquarters for the NFL at one point. I mean, before it moved to Canton or. So the headquarters for the NFL is in New York now, I believe. Okay. Yep. But the National Football League um, was founded in 1920 and they actually, um, the Columbus held the headquarters from 1927 to 1939 um, in the Hayden building, which was one of the city's first skyscrapers. But then this led me to figuring out that, did you know that Columbus actually had an NFL team at one point? No, that's super news to me. What is that? So they were called the Columbus Panhandles, um, and they were one of the first NFL teams to play against another league team, so another NFL team. So one of the first games to ever be played um, was by them. So they went by the Columbus Panhandles from 1902 to 1922, and then they went by the Columbus Tigers from 1922 to 1926. So there was like an Ohio League for football that they played in from 1907 to 1919 um, for their second stint in that league. And then in 1920, they joined the American Professional uh, Football Association, and then they joined the um, National Football League shortly after that, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, But here's the third part. So their, um, their like first owner who was the owner of the team um, initially. And then in that second stint from 1904 to 1919, um, his name was Joseph Carr. He's a gentleman who was born in Columbus, Ohio. And he actually ended up being um, one of the NFL's presidents. I think he was the, yep, the National Football League uh, president from 1921 to 1939. So he was one of like, he was probably the first president of the National Football um, League. And then after that, he went on to be one of the founders and presidents of the American Basketball League from 1925 to 1927. So just like it was like this one, it was like one after another that kind of went down from that. But I thought that was really cool. So like we had, uh, you know, a person from Columbus, Ohio, that helped found one of the first NFL teams. He was one of the first presidents of the National Football League. And then he also helped found the American Basketball League. Um, And then, yeah, we had an NFL team at one point. So. I don't know if it'll ever come back because we already have two in Ohio, but that was definitely interesting to kind of see that. And then obviously with Canton being the, you know, where the pro football hall of fame uh, site is, that's some pretty cool, like, I guess, you know, football history uh, from that kind of started with Ohio almost. Yeah. I have no idea. That's crazy. All right. So my last little little thing is, uh, so which professional tennis tournament is the oldest in the USA to have been continuously played in a single city, the first edition having taken place in 1899. What? <laughs> you said, say that again. <laughs> so which professional tennis tournament is the oldest in the USA to have been continuously played in a single city, the first edition having taken place in 1899? The U.S. Open? No. No, I don't know. The Cincinnati Masters Tennis Tournament, uh, although the U.S. Open is older, having started in 1881, it hasn't always been played in New York. Uh, the early editions took place in Newport, Rhode Island. The Cincinnati Masters is the first held in 1899, and it's continued to this day. Wow. So it's is it, the oldest is it tournament like a, in a continuous city. 
is it a big one a part of their like uh tour or is it kind of like you know kind of diminished down to like maybe like a second tier destination uh, possibly a second tier I don't, I don't i've not heard a lot about it but yeah uh, I, I did look it up and and they, you know it's still continuing to this day so i thought that was really cool. that's pretty crazy the cincinnati masters tennis tournament or whatever that's pretty cool yeah. interesting all right cincinnati there you go you got something cool yeah. <laughs> wow that's pretty cool those are some fun facts i feel like we did a pretty good job Oh, you always do a good job, but I feel like I did a pretty good job this time. <laughs> yeah, that, that was solid. That was solid. Solid work by you. You know, we're getting better, guys. To either bear with us, we you know, don't always <laughs> knock it out of the park, but we're, we're trying. Yes, yes, I'm getting better at my fact game. There we go. <laughs> I think I was trying to do too broad. I, I shrunk it down. I was like, we'll just do like one area for now. <laughs> well, well, maybe when we actually, you know, get famous from this or get somewhat, you know, notoriety, we can maybe hire some intern and researchers yes. and, and they can do all this for us. And then we'll always have the facts. But, you know. But that's not as fun. Then we, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't get excited about it. You know what I mean? They they would just tell me that the NFL was founded in Columbus. They wouldn't get excited about all the different things that came with it. I don't know what type of intern you're hiring, but I'd hire like, you know, a guy that's super excited about this stuff. I guess that's fair. I don't know. That's probably years down the road. <laughs> if any of you want to be our intern for free, just let us know. You can apply at deepdivesports at yahoo.com. Um, no resume needed. Uh, just say, hey, I'm interested, and uh, we'll reach out. So, <laughs> Anyway, guys, this was a- Cr- Crickets. Crickets, I know, right? They're like, for free? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, guys, this was another episode of Ohioverse. I am Nick. I was joined by Greg today, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one, guys. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohioverse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.